Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening each and every week. Available on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go old school way, pulphockey.com. The show is on there as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. Two under, the number two, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. If you use the code FERRARO20, you will save it. Two under, the official underwear of uh, R.I. Dickey and many other guys. Uh, we thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. Listen to the show. Review us. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Pulp Hockey. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been going well all the way from Germany. Former NHLer, color, TSN color analyst, Ray Farrar. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm doing good. I've um, been over here since the 3rd of May, and it's um, we're, we're at a past due date. It's like, okay, let's move this tournament along. And yeah. I mean, Paris was awesome, and mm-hmm. we were there for, man, I don't even know how many days, two weeks, two, a little over two weeks, and... And any you know anywhere you are, I think it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I need to go home. And uh, it's been a great gig, but holy smokes, we're over here a long time. Yeah, man. Uh, again, I've been there a ton. Lived in Germany for like six or seven months, and then I, I hated it. It was just before the internet was around too. And anytime I go over there, I love Europe. It's great. I always tell people the history there is fantastic. It's really cool to walk around and be, be there. But I'm I'm over it after a week. For sure. Well, it would be different, you know, um, to to live here and know that you're here for right. a full year. You know, there's there's something really cool, like you say, about coming and visiting and checking out incredibly historic sites and mm-hmm. you know, and really different way of life. But you know, it makes me you know always think now about what what these guys do when they come over to play in the NHL or when they play in major league baseball or basketball and they come from another country and they don't speak the language and you know you can say oh yeah but they're coming to america or coming to canada and it's awesome and you know our way of life is better but but it it's not to them it's yeah. so different yep and they can't like we were walking i was out walking around today and um i was <laughs> looking for a place to eat just kind of wandering around mm-hmm. and, and you you look, you know, they get the menus up on the walls outside, right. and you're like, oh, this one's all in German. How the, what the hell am I going to order? So I got my Google Translate out, and I'm typing stuff in. I mean, just think if you had to do this when none of that was available. Oh, yeah. I know, right? Like how hard it would have been. <laughs> and so when I read and hear about, uh, you know, the Russian player in Vancouver, the the big defenseman, Triamkin, went back home this mm-hmm. year. Yep. You know, and people were just ripping him all. If that that tells that speaks volumes about him. He doesn't want to play in the best league. Uh, he's 22, and he's probably like, "This sucks. I can make as much money at home in the KHL, mm-hmm. and I can speak my own language. And it's probably got nothing to do with the hockey. It's got everything to do with living. And I'm, you know, it's the same for the players that come over here and play in Europe. You know, it's it's a pretty major adjustment. Well, don't you think like they didn't grow up? 
watching the NHL and dreaming of winning the Stanley Cup. They just didn't. Uh, different now, though, Steve. You I think, think yeah. you know, like I do. I mean, the, the Olympics for them, of course, are yep. certainly more important than the Stanley Cup. But now, I mean, the you know, they used to. Now it's just so different. I mean, I, I've heard stories of players that talk that played in the NHL, and they'd say, you know, on Sunday nights they'd wait to get the highlight show for the week. Oh, okay. Like those would yep. be the only NHL highlights they'd get all week. Well, now you just go on to YouTube or go on to NHL.com and get the highlights of the night. You see mm-hmm. the 10 best goals of the week and the, you know, 10 best saves or whatever it is of, sure. of last night. Yep. So, I, I mean, they're far more familiar to it. And, it, you know, I, I don't know that it's as foreign a game as what it used to be to them. Like the the, the styles of of Europe and and North America have kind of merged a little bit over the last 15 years because before there was a Canadian way of playing and a European way. And the Europeans that came over generally would get the crap kicked out of them. And they'd be like, this is a, I don't like this game. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would have been oh. like. Like, Boyer they, Salming? They go into yeah. Philadelphia. Right. Well, I mean, what Inga Hammerstrom and, and Boria Salming went through when they first came over here, I mean, Hammerstrom hated it. He he hated it. He, he was not built to play that way. And Salming is just, you know, as tough as old Gristle. Right. And, he, you know, they, they tested him grotesquely, really. <laughs> And he just he stood up and started spearing everybody back, and and he became a Hall of Famer. But just think of the guys that would look at that, and they'd see like these odd highlights of a brawl in Philadelphia, or you know, or some lunacy from the Boston Garden, and they must think every game was like that. Yeah, like why would you leave? No chance. Yep. Yeah, exactly. They're just like, what is this game you guys are playing? Because this isn't hockey. This isn't what I yeah, grew up on. Yeah, no, no chance. Forget it. And so now it's much. I think it's easier to go from Europe to North America. What what what's the biggest problem now is the you know the big ice game is much slower. Mm-hmm. There's not as much pace to it. It's you know good skaters stand out because they can skate all over the place, but lots of time nothing happens because the ice is so big. And a good skater here in Europe isn't necessarily going to be effective in in North America, with the the smaller ranks, everything happens so much more quickly. Mm-hmm. They just might not be quick enough. They might be fast enough. Yeah. They might not be quick enough. And there's there's a a real big difference between the two. I don't want to like. Like I'm curious. Yeah. Sorry, Steve. I'm yeah. curious to see what Shipachev, the the guy, the Russian guy that the um, Vegas that the Vegas Golden yeah. Knights signed. You know, he's he's got incredible stats, and you know he's. Um, He's been a highly, highly productive mm-hmm. player in Russia for for a long time. He's, you know, he's almost yeah. a point a game player in 450 KHL games. But he's 30 years old, and he's never played over here. And I and yeah. I wonder how his game will translate. Yeah, there's been a few. There's been a few uh, guys in over the time, older guys that have come over, and it hasn't always worked. Um, you know, here and there. So. Yeah, no, it's going to be hard. I didn't know he was that old. I, I didn't. I never, I never saw that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I never. I never knew he was that old. I didn't know. Yeah, he's. Um, uh, yeah, he's been around the block a little bit, and he's he's having a terrific tournament. Yeah, he is. He had almost 80 points in the K this year, and and I don't know how any of that matters uh, once, yeah, exactly. once he gets over because it might work, and he's a passing forward. You know, 
He's he's like a passing forward. He's a dangerous guy with the puck, but I, I don't I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be different. I don't yeah. know how anybody knows for certain yet. Vegas is, you know, they're going to take a, a roll of the dice on him here, and yeah. maybe it works for them. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, and uh, we'll get into more Vegas talk as we go. So, uh, Ray, when we last left off, it was a pair of game sevens, and uh, you said Caps and Oilers, and it was uh, Pens and Ducks. But they were uh, they were interesting sevens for sure to watch. I this has been done. This is a little old news already. The Capitals are once again going. They went out in flames, so they're they're going to have some changeover. This year, but what do they do? I mean, this this is such a difficult spot for them because they they don't have a draft pick until the fourth round this year. Mm-hmm. They've traded a whole bunch of second and third rounders in future years. You know, giving this team the best chance that they can. You know, bringing players yeah. in, and I think it's the right thing to do. You know, the, look, the Capitals are one of the best teams in the league, and you have to try and win while your guys are in the sweet spot of their careers. And they've done everything they can, and it hasn't worked. So it's easy to say, okay, you've got to blow it up and start over. But what does that even mean? You know, like people, oh, you know, trade a Vetchkin. Right. Well, okay, he makes $10 million. <laughs> we, we are aware we're in a cap world, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like, stuck with him, I think. Y- you are. Yeah. And so... Like, do you trade? You know, they're going to lose Alsner probably. Mm-hmm. TJ Oshie's an f- unrestricted free agent. So is Justin Williams. Those are three key players. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do with Evgeny Kuznetsov? Are you, if you're going to make a change, is he one of the guys that could bring you back um, something so, different? So, you know, yep. I, and I, the answer is yes. But, like, what does that do for your team? I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't really know where they go, but one thing I would say is they, they probably can be a little quicker, and I think that would help them, and maybe that's something they try to change towards. But in my mind, um, their time of being viewed as a favorite is probably done. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they can't win either. Yeah. Like, what if we all look past them next year. Yep. And they get 98 points in the regular season mm-hmm. and they're the sixth seed and everybody kind of, yeah, well, the Capitals, you know what they're going to do. And all of a sudden they're in the conference final. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, could, it, it could happen. Yep. But they've got, they've got to make changes. I, I don't like the thought of making changes just for change's sake, but I think they do. Mm-hmm. But they're also going to be pushed into making some changes because of cap issues that they have yeah i'm uh, i'm with you it, you know it took some teams islanders were good for a while before they went on their run and pittsburgh was good for a while until they made the trade with with your hartford whalers um teams like didn't get over the hump and then you kind of thought oh, the red wings another example red wings couldn't get over the hump couldn't get over the hump um and then eventually two three four years you kind of go ah they're done and then these teams win we've seen it it, it happens quite frequently. The, the danger is, you know, when you make that determination that you've got to change your current group, you better make the right one or two moves. Yeah. Because cause the guys you're moving are good players. Like, let's say they decide to trade uh, 
John Carlson, and Evgeny Kuznetsov. Well, those are those are very very good players. And if you miss on the return, yeah, then you got a problem. I mean, you at the time. I know this trade is always always a smudge on George McPhee, but you know Martin Erat was a very good player, excellent player, second line player who could score, and he so they trade a prospect in Philip Forsberg. You know their pro scouts went out and they decided that Erat was their guy, that they could afford to move Forsberg. Do you think they'd like that trade over? <laughs> but I mean that's that's the yep that's where you miss the, yeah that you miss and you miss big and how do you fix that yep. so this is a, a this is more critical a summer for Washington than last summer because no matter what they did last summer they were still going to be one of the league's best teams mm-hmm. this year i think they have to carve deep enough into the roster to change it that if they make a mistake with the return um it could be dangerous for them yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do and uh what where Ovechkin goes from here too? He has to. He's he's taking heat, and rightfully so. He had a so-so regular season, and okay, he still led the team with five goals in the playoffs. But man, you just want more impact game to game from your ten million dollar guy. But you, you said, do, you, you do for sure. Yeah. And and my thought is, you know, Ovechkin doesn't get around the ice as as much as or as well as he used to. Um, he probably weighs at this point 230 pounds. I mean, the guy's he's built like a cement mixer, yeah. right? He's like, I I really wonder if this summer he dropped 10 or 15 pounds, if that would make him more effective. It would certainly get him around the ice quicker. Yeah. And I think that can help him because he's not going to play with the ferocity that he used to play with. You just don't. When yeah. you're 32, you don't. What you do when you were 22, it just yeah. just doesn't work that way. And so maybe if he were lighter, maybe he gets around a little quicker and he gets a little more room uh, to shoot the puck a little more. Because you're right, the numbers are fine. I mean, 33 goals is fine. And the five goals playing injured, as we find out, yep. that he was after Kadri low-bridged him in the Toronto series. I mean, that's fine, but you're right. The impact just isn't there like it used to be. Um, and uh, and Oilers-Ducks, let's quickly touch on that. Uh, Ducks played a great game. Ducks played a great game. That early goal by Edmonton, you're like, oh, boy. Uh, but then they regrouped and they played a great game, and I guess they kind of schooled the Oilers a little bit, like Getzlaff and Perry and all these sort of veteran guys. You know, and Cogliano, well, all that. The, old, the early goal goes in, and... It's impossible for everybody in the building not to go, oh, man, right. not another Game 7 like this. Are you yep. kidding me? Right. But they, you know, they got themselves back up on their wheels, and they did a, they did a good job. They played well. I mean, the, they, are, they are a playoff team. I mean, they play a yep. playoff way. Um, I'm not a fan of the way that the rules go out the window. And the reason I'm not is because, it, in my opinion, it – it makes the game. It, it makes the game like the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Last night um, it, we're taping this. Uh, it's Friday today, isn't it? Steve? Yeah, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. Yeah, I know. So we're taping this on Friday. On Thursday, Nashville tied the game up against Anaheim in the last minute. Yep. And Ryan Johansson 
buries a guy behind the net with a cross check. <laughs> right? It's ridiculous that that's not a penalty. And you can say, oh, see, the refs don't want to make an impact. Well, they did make an impact. They made an impact by not calling the penalty. Mm-hmm. And then the game goes into overtime. Like, I just don't, I don't think that's right. I, I like and I admire the battle mm-hmm. and how hard the playoffs are. And I get that. But there was a picture the other night, Crosby skating up the ice, and he's pulling away from Kyle Turris, who has Crosby's jersey in his left hand. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Like, I didn't even see the play. I just saw a picture of it. Yep. I watched the Johansson highlight. I'm like, guys, it's a laughing stock. Now, the way that, that the games are called. Hey, you kind of you kind of went on about last podcast about this too. Like you, you're, yeah, you don't like it. I don't. Yeah. Because here's the thing, though. It's like the guys. We're all when we're playing, we're we're programmed to make really fast decisions our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And so, if you know if you know you can get away with stuff, you're going to make that split decision, and you're gonna you're gonna do it. I'm going to grab his jersey. I'm going to trip him here because I know I'm in a portion of the ice where they're not going to call it. Right. You make those decisions all the time. And, like, Ryan Kessler plays a certain way. If they called Kessler by, you know, close to the rule book, he would play a different way. He's not dumb. He's like, they're going to let me trip this guy? I'll trip him. (laughs) They're going to let me cross-check him? I'm going to cross-check him. Why not? And that's where the game gets away from from the officials. I I don't think they're directive from the um, yeah. Like, what do you think happens? Do you think that they get into a playoff mode where let the boys settle it, or do you think this is higher up a little bit? Oh no, it's it's this forever. I mean, like okay, it's, so, it's always been like this. Okay, it's so like the, is it just it's just all the refs deciding somehow? Not 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 obviously. There's not some sort of conference call, but. Do you think they just go? No, it's, hey, it's just the, the way it is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. It's okay. just playoffs. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna let them play. Is right, the old, right. You know, it's the old rule. Well, you know, in the in the old days, you used to get run over, and you'd say you got your bell rung. Well, they don't say that anymore no. because times have changed. Yep. I I sense that more people, um, more people than ever, don't like the games called the way they are. I mean, that's just my sense. I could yep. be wrong. Yep. But the guys I talk to, and, of course, most of the guys I talk to are in or around the game, They, it just, you know, it becomes a, right. a shake-your-head-a-thon when you talk about, hey, did you watch the game last night? Yeah, wow, did you see this play? Wow. Yeah. You know, like, it <laughs> It just, it, to me, it's with very little effort, it could be a little better. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, remember when we came out of the lockout, they were calling everything. There was no two-line pass, and I thought the game was great. I really liked it when it came back off Steve, the Steve, they were so close then. Yeah. Because remember, they were called in the games, there was like 10 and yeah. 11 and 12 penalties. Yep. Nobody wants that. Yeah. But the penalties were starting to go down mm-hmm. because the guys were getting it. Yep. And then you understand, oh, this is the way that um, uh, I got to play. And I can't do that because that's a penalty, and if I keep getting a penalty, I'm not going to play. And they were so close to getting it right. Yep. And then the playoffs came, and they threw it in the garbage can, and and then the guys are like, "Oh, huh. we can go right back to the way it used to be." What did you make of Ryan Johansson's Johansson's comments about Kessler and how his family and friends and family show uh, I, up and watch know, him? I well, 
I didn't like. I mean, I didn't particularly love the the comments because you know you. Does that give Kessler? Kinda, does that give Kessler the upper hand a little bit? No, no, no. Okay. Well, it would if if the stats were telling me. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching every game. Yeah. You know, as closely as I would because of the time, but. The stats are telling me Johansson's doing more than fine, more than holding his own against Kessler. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have the puck more than Kessler's line has it. They have possession more than Kessler's line has it. So I think Johansson's fine. What it is is, uh, to me, is you got you know the guys. Johansson's emotional after the game. He's asked the question. He just, you know he just he doesn't like the way that right. Kessler is <laughs> giving it to him on the ice. So here's the problem though, is. So what is Johansson supposed to do? You can say he's supposed to fight through it. So he's supposed to fight through the other guy committing a penalty every shift. Every single time, right. Yeah. So, or they could call a penalty. But since they're not, he's got to fight through it. You could say, well, why doesn't he slash him back or cross-check him back? Johansson's job is to score. How does slashing Kessler or cross-checking Kessler help him? It doesn't, mm-hmm. because that means he's too busy fiddling around <laughs> with Kessler and not playing with the puck. Right. So this is where, to me, it just goes down this slope that you can't retrieve. So I, I wish you would have said, wouldn't have said, you know, I don't know how his family and friends even <laughs> like the way he plays. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he probably didn't have to go there. It didn't make him sound like the most gritty of performers. <laughs> but he is right. Yeah. Why Why does he get to commit a penalty? Otherwise, as I said before, take the rule book to center ice and burn it. <laughs> burn it. Right at center ice and say, you guys, we're only going to have referees out here to direct traffic tonight. Mm-hmm. Because basically that's what happens. Yeah. Everybody gets between three. They get three power plays one game or four power plays the next game. Yeah. It's really kind of odd that... There's only four fouls in the entire game, and and they're close to even up all the time. Yeah, yeah, you got a point there. Um, so what do you think of that series? Where where do you think it goes? They're tied two two uh, as we tape this. Uh, Ducks blew it last night, but uh, recouped in overtime on PK Subban's goal. Oh, poor PK. Um, yeah, that's bad. That's a bad break. Yeah, yeah, a, a nice deflection. Good job. Uh, where where does it go from here? What do you who do you like? I picked Nashville before the series, you and I, I'm still going to take them. And I, I do, I do like the pace that they can play at. Now, if Mike Fisher's out and can't return, that means Nashville's down two pretty key forwards because they lost Kevin Fiala before, mm-hmm. and Fisher would be another one. And that, I think that hurts them. You know, Fisher can play; um, he can play a pretty pretty heavy game. He's a big guy. He's, you know, he can be physical. He's not the offensive player he once was, but, you know, he's, he's a yeah. real asset for yeah. them. But I think that, um, I think that, that Nashville's speed somewhere will make a difference in this series. But I, right now, I mean, we're, you know, you're sitting here picking a game or picking a series, and I, I don't even know how you tell the teams apart anymore. <laughs> You know, like they're all so close. And yep. I guess that's what the Final Four is supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised that this series is as tight as it is. I just, I think I like Pekka and goal better than I like John Gibson. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, given those two factors, the speed and 
that I think Nashville will be able to use. And the goaltending, I, I think Nashville is going to win. The the Preds Duck series has been like the '85 Oilers series when you compare it to the other one, the Pens and the Senators. That is tough hockey to watch, right? It really is. Now the Sens blew them out the other day. I didn't I didn't catch that game, but I've watched most of the other ones. And man, that's some some tedious hockey. <laughs> you want to talk about entertainment value? Yeah, they're not. Uh... But here's the thing, you know, so people are starting to rag on the Senators and their style of play. and No, they're winning, man. But, yeah. But the coach, whose job it is to look at his roster and say, okay, how do we play the best way to win? Well, that's what he thinks. Yeah. He's not wrong. And they're winning. And they do score. Man, they score five. more than people think they score. But their whole plan is that if they can't get to the puck on the forecheck, they're going to suck back. Mm-hmm. And now, So Pittsburgh loves that long stretch pass that they deflect in the zone and then their thoroughbreds get after it. Well, that becomes really difficult uh, to play against Ottawa because Ottawa's got their defense back a little deeper than most teams. So when you chip it, you don't win the race because their defense has such a big head start. But their forwards are in a position that Pittsburgh's forwards can't carry it through the zone. I think the way that you attack Ottawa's system is you get your, you make your passes. Um, they have to be shorter. Yep. So you have to two-on-one guys going up the ice. Because when you carry it, it's like skating into a quagmire. Like there's nowhere to go. Yep. You, five, they just shut you down. Five guys but if waiting you move for it you. a couple right. of times quickly, I think you can work your way through. I, I, I've seen it, and I think that's the way. You know, you've got to be efficient. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be good with your passes. But I think that's really the way to, you know, to get through. Now, Pittsburgh's defense is in such bad shape. I mean, this this is a, you can't even ignore yeah. how how badly they're they're banged up, and so I I think that's as big a factor as anything that Ottawa's doing too is that. Pittsburgh's motor, which comes from the back end, they don't have Latang. Mm-hmm. Schultz was out. They dress seven D because they're not sure Daly can make it to the second period. Yeah, you know, like I mean, that's a that's a really tough way to play. And Olimata is having a tough playoff. He's had a couple of tough years. I mean, this kid is this kid has been through the ringer, injury wise. Yep. Um, you know, health wise, mm-hmm. he had the the health scare that he had to step away from the game for a while and uh man i mean uh, i i think it's when i watch him play i think it's taken a toll on him yeah. and i and and honestly steve i mean how could it not yeah yeah at one time he was you know looked upon as being like this emerging stud guy but you're right it's been one thing after another um so the people will probably know this decision but, but most people who listen to this will probably know this decision but uh murray or flurry for tonight, we don't know yet. But oh, I, I think it's Murray. You do? Yeah. Oh, I think it's gonna be Flurry. That's funny. Um, well, there you go. Because so we're gonna find out. Yeah, um, we'll find out. And and the reason I say that yep. is that I think, um, well, maybe not. I mean, it, I was gonna say I think we would have a better sense if it was Flurry already. Yeah. Okay. The fact that we don't know anything to me means that. It might be Matt Murray. Now, it's not like they're taking a shot in the dark here with a guy that's never played before. <laughs> right, yeah. 
you know, he's going to have to take off his Stanley Cup ring to go in the net. Yeah. But the fact that he got into into a game and, you know, had 25-ish shots, mm-hmm. I think 26 shots, he gave up the one goal. Um, now he's had game action. It won't feel foreign to him to start today. And um, I know this will this will get a lot of attention, of course, as it should, the goaltending decision for Mike Sullivan. But the Penguins' problems are far deeper than who's in goal for them. Crosby, you know, one I mean, I, goal. I, Crosby, one goal since this since game one against the Caps. Obviously, he had that concussion. Yeah. So, yeah, got- I mean, like, there's you know they got to, you can we can talk about the defense and you know Crosby's Crosby's got to have a central part of this. And because if he doesn't, that means we're not hearing so much about some of the other guys, are mm-hmm. we? Yep, good point. You know, the nice stories around the, you know, Brian Rust or Jake Gensel or yep. Connor Sheary or, you know, all the guys that, quote-unquote, no-name guys that Crosby has played with, all of a sudden if Sid's having a tough time, you know they're having a tough time. Um, did you see Phil? Did you see Phil the other night? It was awesome. I didn't know Phil had that in him. I never saw that once in all the years in Toronto. I, I can't believe how many people were surprised that this actually happened. Well, because you've always said, you said on this show, you know him, he's a funny guy, he's a good guy, he, he shows emotion, but as an outsider, Ray, it seemed like Phil didn't care about much <laughs> on the ice, and he's just sort of going through life with his wheels and his great shot, and, and, that, and, you know, and that's that, but look at Phil. Yeah, but see, so... No, but I, I, I know people are surprised that it was him mm-hmm. that did it, but there was also people, you know, how are you going to deal with it? Oh, no, no, Sullivan? no. Like, no. what do you mean deal with it? Nothing. It's no. finished. No, that, guys don't care. Right. You know, that's that's basically how you get into an FU battle on the bench. Yep. Right? Like, you, you want the puck. You were yep. open. Get me the puck. <laughs> right. And you tell the guy beside you who's tired, as you are, and he tells you to stick it in your ear. Now you got an argument, and then you go out on the ice. Yeah, I didn't mean that part. Yeah, I, I didn't actually. I didn't hear any of that fake controversy. That's what that is. That's fake controversy. Who cares? Yeah, absolutely. But, it's like yeah, it's like kicking up dust. Right. But the the emotion from Phil is what I was more right. Like holy, I didn't know he had it in him. He cares. I've been totally entertained <laughs> since he's gone to Pittsburgh with how entertained those guys are yeah. about him. Right. Like, they, they seem to just, like, they're like, well, of course. Like, he's always like that. He's super competitive. The one thing I would say that we're, you know, that we probably figure, should have figured out by now is that, like, Phil's a savant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, you give him a golf <laughs> yeah. club, he smashes it down the fairway. He's right. a terrific golfer. He, apparently, he's an unbelievable uh, ping-pong player. He, mm-hmm. Look at the way he plays hockey. It's like, whatever he wants to do, he pro- I, he's probably the type of guy that, yeah, throw him a basketball, and he shoots jump shots, and he looks yeah. really good doing yeah. it. Whatever he does, you know, skateboarding, it, he could get on a skateboard and, and do it or whatever, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's hard to take him seriously when he's yelling with that playoff beard, though. He looks like a gopher. Yeah, he, he kind of <laughs> is. You're right. <laughs> it's, it's an all-time playoff beard. I love it. I, I think I, I was just surprised to see it. I really was. I just, uh, I'm like, wow, look at Phil, you know. But that's good. Good to see. Um, All right, so. Who do you like? I I I still think Pittsburgh's just got enough. They're going to grit it. They're going to grit it through. It's just yeah, but I don't like. I don't think that all of a sudden it's all going to go smooth for them. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
like I, I think there's this is going to be a tough slog. Every you know, I do a, a lot of Ottawa games mm-hmm. during the season, and every time I thought Ottawa was about ready to fall apart, they would get themselves back on their feet, win three or four in a row, and then everything was fine. Like they did it all year. Yep. So to expect them to all of a sudden fall apart, I I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. Um, but I do I do think that there is another gear for Pittsburgh to catch. Now we'll see if their defense can help them out enough to help them catch that gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's a real a real key. So the World Championships that's where you are. That's why you're over there uh, <laughs> in Paris in Germany. Um, it's been entertaining from the little bit I've seen and the little highlights. USA is out. They lost to Finland. Um, and also, too, earlier they lost to Germany. You called the Canadian-Germany uh, game that 50 shots they put on Philip Grubauer, and they won 2-1. Uh, to one. Um, That seemed like an insane atmosphere, though, over there. It was, it was awesome. Well, yeah. I, I also did the Finland-U.S. game. Oh, you did? Okay. All right. And the U.S., um, had an excellent tournament. Like the game they lost to the Germans, mm-hmm. Thomas Grice was in goal, and he was by far the player of the game. Well over 40 shots, he was outstanding, and the U.S. lost. Then they won every game till yesterday, and they came out and they had nothing. They, they didn't have anything. Finland played by far their best game of the tournament, mm-hmm. and the U.S., I was really surprised. Like they have a bunch of young guys here, um, and they just – they just didn't have it. They didn't get it done, and they're out. I mean, that's to me is the beauty of tournament hockey. Right, is that there you get to these quarterfinals and on, and everything's a one and out game, and I I love them because they're you don't even have to be the best team. You know, you just, just got to have a goaltender or something. Yeah, just goaltender yeah. or a power play right. goal or like last night, Canada in the second period outshot Germany twenty to one. I don't even know when the one shot was. I think they might have just given it to them. <laughs> they were in Germany. Like after they, it all, was so. total domination. Right. So it's two nothing into the third period. Canada's on a power play, and Germany gets a shorthanded goal. There's like six minutes left. Yeah. Now it doesn't even matter what else happened. Right. It's two one. Right. So it was. It, the game never felt in danger for Canada, even when it was two one. Right. But that's the. That's what makes people uneasy about the one-and-out games. Yeah, Grubauer was awesome mm-hmm. yesterday for for Germany, and um, I don't, I can't even think of a scenario where he's not the goaltender in Vegas um, at uh, at the beginning of next year. Really? Oh, he's 24 years old. Uh huh. Um, I'm I'm way more interested than him in him in a long range plan <laughs> that I would be in Mark wow. Andre Fleury. Wow. Like I, I, I will be shocked. Uh, George McPhee drafted him. Yep. Knows him very well. Mm-hmm. And the kid is really good. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, 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 I can't even, I've looked through some lists that have available guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he's his, been on his any. His name jumps out at me all the time. Yeah. I've actually never read anything or heard about him possibly being, being the guy, so that's interesting. Um, a buddy of mine uh, from Canada said, "What on earth was the shrieking sound coming from the fans in the stands? It was like constant loud whistling." Oh, they well, they what, was it whistling? one end of the rink. <laughs> well, there's one end of the rink that there's no seats uh, down by the glass in okay. the low area. It's a standing room section, 
And so they bring in drums and horns and I don't know whatever <laughs> else they got in there. And they they go all game. It's like a soccer crowd. Yeah. And it's really fun. You know, and so I don't know, when people are mad they you know, they all whistle and yeah. man, it's loud. So it was seventeen it was whistling. or eighteen thousand whistles going, yeah. that's pretty loud. And uh it was you know, had Ger- had Germany been able to mount a little more of an out- offensive push, mm-hmm. it would have been louder. But Canada was was so in control. That it, like, it's tough to be excited when yeah. your players you're cheering for are chasing the puck all the time. It reminds you of that uh, Olympic game against Latvia a little bit. You know? Right, where, the one where, there where Goods, Goods Lesfis made like 55 yeah, days and or something. It was one nothing Canada, and, it's, and you were like, oh my God, they could lose this, but yet they never seem to not have the puck. So you're like, wait, can they lose this? You know, <laughs> right? Like the last night, I'm like, you know, they're not they're not even getting close enough for a lot a lot of times to be dangerous. Yep. Uh, Leon Drysaitel looked like he was completely out of gas, like he had nothing right. left. He had had a an outstanding year, two rounds of playoffs, played a lot, jumped on a plane, flew over here. I mean, this is his home his home country. Mm-hmm. This is his home city. He was born oh, and raised here. Was he okay? Yeah. And so there's a picture of him in the paper, you know, pushing his luggage cart through security. And uh, when he got here, and it said the boss has arrived. <laughs> like they are, they are this, pumped. This is it, right? It's like yeah, you go- and he just, and, and honestly, he just didn't have the gas to, to like, punch it through. It's like you going home to trail. The boss has arrived. Well, there's not even a. Well, there's not a. Yeah, there's an airport in trail, but it's kind of small. <laughs> um. Hey, and also too, people maybe who are listening to this don't 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 realize Germany, underrated hockey country, like a strong league, uh, plenty. Of, we talked about this a little bit last show. Uh, plenty of uh, North American guys go over there and play. They've had a, a competitive league for a long time. I know from being over there, they love the game. There's lots of rinks. Underrated hockey country. It is. Um, I I think it's um, it's a shame, really, that. Uh, you know, there's 85-ish million people in Germany. And, you know, the soccer culture is so strong mm-hmm. that, um, as it was exp- has been explained to me, um, some of their best hockey players play until they're like 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. And then when they're going to commit to a sport, in Canada they often commit to hockey. Yep. In Germany it might be soccer, it might be handball, which is a huge deal here. And so they lose these really good athletes. And so in the past, in the DEL, the German League, you could, um, you could have an unlimited number of Canadians. And so now they've, the problem with that, from an, um, an internal standpoint, is no German guys, no German kids are going to play because they're like, okay, I get to a certain level, then I've got to stop playing. I can't even make our pro league. Right. And so what they've done is knock down the number of imports, and um, that opens up more spots for German players, the hope being that that will help promote more involvement through youth hockey. And, uh, but, you're, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a long history yeah. of, of really competitive, really physical uh, German players. There's a guy on the Germans. I, I encourage people to look him up on the Internet. His name's Dennis Royale, oh, R-E-U-L. Who you, you were tweeting about him the other day? Yeah, he looks like a Bond villain. <laughs> He's like 6'4", 
200 and I think he weighs 243 pounds. Uh-huh. And he's got a shaved head, and apparently he's a super nice guy. And he, I mean, I can't even describe how big he looks on he's the ice. He's just a monster. <laughs> it, it's, like, it's like somebody took a really big 14-year-old and put him in a 10-year-old game. <laughs> like Mitch Marner's coming down on him. And you're like, oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, by the way, your boy, your boy Marner, you yep. know, your Toronto Maple Leafs, yep. he's been outstanding. Yeah, it seems like yeah. it from what I read. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've just been outstanding. They, um, he's just, he's, the more I watch him, the more I just, I just marvel at his patience with the puck or his ability to find something when there's not really much around. I mean, when he's got open ice, everybody can see that. But I, I like the other stuff. I'm like, yeah. man, there's no way for the pass to get through there. Oh, he just got it through there. Oh, wait, there, I, there, I, there it goes. Yeah, I just there's a there's a brilliance to Marner that you know at just 20 is yeah. um, is really something else. It, it it bodes well for next season because there is a history of guys having really good World Championships and then continuing that on. You know, kind of realizing, wait, I can play. Really well at this level, and then yeah. You... But see, you're trying to be super positive, Leaf guy. Uh-huh. Here. Yeah, because there's another thing that always happens, Mister Leaf guy. You get tired, and that's second year players always, well, not always. Yeah, in lots of cases, yes. take a half a step backwards. Oh, I know, I know. And the problem for the Leafs is they got about 43 guys that are going to be in their second year next year. They're not all going to have improvements on this year. But that's part of growing, and that's where they are. And they're, I'd sure like to be in their boat if I were, you know, if I were building that team. I mean, you're sitting there and you're like, wow, we got so many things that are, yeah, are so good to be excited about. Uh, breaking news: your your guy, your buddy Elliot Friedman, Friedman just uh, retweeted that Matt Murray you were first out this morning and has own net in practice. So you you once again, Ray, you're right. Looks like Matt. Well, Murray it doesn't tonight. mean he's starting, does it? It says uh, uh, Mark Mark Andre Fleury doing extra work. So, oh, there you go. Yep. How about that? I'm in Germany. Yeah. Well, sh- sh- shouldn't surprise anybody who listens to the show that you know more about the game of hockey than I do. Uh. <laughs> Did uh, you ever see the movie Snatch? Yeah. Yeah. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah, it's by good. The way. Yep. And uh, uh, Turkish always has that line in there before the Germans get there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone was. I don't even know what it means half the right. time, but I'm like, I laugh every time he says yeah. it. Uh, so semifinals in the World Championships, Canada-Russia, Sweden-Finland for the 8,000th time. Who uh, who makes it? Who do you like? Oh, the Swedes are going to beat the Finns, I would think. The, okay. the Swedes have a, they have a terrific roster. Um, you know, Lundqvist is in goal. Their defense is, is almost an NHL all-star caliber defense. You've got John Klingberg from Dallas, who had a mm. bit of a down year, yeah. but a really good offensive player. You've got Anton Strollman. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, Alex Edler, yeah. Jonas Brodine. <laughs> I, I mean, there's it's pretty good. Victor right. Hedman. Oh yeah, like that. That yeah. defense. That defense should be able to put a blanket over anything that Finland's able to do mm-hmm. tomorrow. Uh, so I think the Swedes will win. Um, and then Canada Rush is really interesting to me because um, the Russians have. You know, when I think of the Russians, I think of skill and puck movement, and they've got four shutouts in eight games. Like they're you know yeah. defensively, it's a very good team. They defend the big ice really well. They've only got six full-time NHL players on their roster, um, just the way it was this year. And so they've got a whole pile of guys that play almost full-time in the KHL on the big ice. 
And so they're very familiar with each other and the style that they have to play here. And it'll be interesting to see. You know, you got a team of NHL players playing against a bunch of guys that play in the KHL. And to think that, oh, that means Canada's going to win, I would say, would be would be a little naive. Now, Canada's played their best hockey in the last couple of games, mm-hmm. last three games in particular. So uh, the, the one loss the Russians have was against the Americans, and uh, I didn't see the game. That was on the other side when we were doing our games mm-hmm. in Paris, and um, they had trouble when the Americans played really fast, apparently. So we'll see if Canada can do that. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to pick Canada, but I'm really interested in in how this one's going to play out. I'm 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 more sure that the Swedes will will win their semifinal. Okay. Uh, speaking of Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way, uh, whenever I seem to read something about the World Championships, Willie Nylander seems like he's having a good tournament. Having a great tournament, yep. and um, he's a you know just a just such a dynamic player. Um, you know, he gets. Yep. He gets himself into position to be dangerous. Then when he gets the puck, he's got such skill. The the one thing I think we often overlook about a player is his ability to to get to the right place at the right time, and that's his hockey brain. And Nylander's able to be in the right spot, to get the puck at the right time, and now he's got to make a play with it, and he can make a play. Lots of guys get to the right spot at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're in the slot, and then they leave, and then the puck goes there. Like, Nylander doesn't make those yeah. kind of misreads. I, uh, when it comes to Marner versus Nylander, it's a hot take by me, but I like Nylander's game. I, I, I know he didn't score as much as, as Marner. He's close, though, this year. I, I think Nylander's really, really a great player. And I think he's going to get better and get more ice. And he's, I mean, obviously, Babcock's not a fan of his D play a little bit, but... Um, I don't know. I like. Uh, oh, I, I, I think he just likes to shove him along. <laughs> okay. You know, and he, he, he thinks a lot. Um, you know, he thinks there's a lot there. Yep. And so he's not going to cut him any slack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm. I'll be interested to see if you know does Nylander move to the middle? Do they keep, yeah. where Babcock says he sees him eventually, or does he stay on the wing? Uh, the, you know, there's going to be a challenge point here at some, you know, sometime in the near future of, of cap considerations because. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at, you know, Matthews making whatever he's going to make nine. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Right. Like you, you know, said, you fill, you put you told us you you push the paper over to him, like you do. Push Connor. or fill it in for right. eight years and let's move it along. Right. But then you're going to have Marner, and then you're going to have Nylander. Mm-hmm. Like a, you know, you've already got Riley at five and Gardner at five. Mm-hmm. So let's let's assume those guys are there too. So that's five each for those two, and you're probably going to have to. Oh, I don't know what you say. Marner and Neiland or Marner and um, uh, and Neilander get to you know to yep. five and six in a hurry. Yep. So now you've got probably close to thirty million dollars for five players. It all like tough way to play. It all boils down to: Do you bridge them or do you lock them up? You know what I mean? Well, like, the problem. Well, here's the thing: is the the rules are probably going to change again when, yeah. when they get to the next collective bargaining agreement. True. And. And the league just makes up the rules as they go along, <laughs> and which is crazy because, you know, this is a little aside, but when the first lockout came, one way that the big money teams were able to deal with the, the new incoming first-time-ever salary cap was to give those long contracts that dove down salary-wise at the end. 
to keep the average mm-hmm. salary down. Well, then the next lockout came. And they said, yeah, and if they retire before the contract, it's... there's going to be a $20 million capture <laughs> penalty. Right. But that wasn't in the rules when they signed the contract. Like, how ridiculous is that? And why would they, like, I don't understand the league's positioning on that. I guess they're just trying to protect the clubs and make bad decisions. But, like, why do that? I... Who cares? Well, yeah, why? Well, the, but, but the problem is now there's teams that are still dealing with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if Roberto Luongo or Shea Weber retire early. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my gosh! Like Nashville will have to fold up. The, they'll have to play a season with seven players. And why would you? Uh, you mean uh, uh, Minnesota? No, Shea Weber. Oh, Shea Weber. Oh, because it comes on Nashville's thing. Comes out of Nashville. I thought you were talking about Suter yeah. for a second, right? Suter's on my mind. Cause oh, Suter's talking. still got another six years. Yeah, he's coming he's up right. on this. My, our next topic. So that's why I just brought his contract up. Okay. Um, but uh, oh yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, it goes. But I mean, so right. so whatever they're going to do cap wise in Toronto, yeah. um, the bridge contract's real dangerous because what if you bridge them at like Tampa yeah. did with Kucherov, yeah. and now you're going to get clobbered over the head next July? Or Montreal did it with Subban too. You got to sign him to a long deal. Yeah, Montreal did it with Subban. You know, and yeah. they won the Norris. It's like, oh, great. Um, all right, a couple of news before we get to the topic. Uh, I want to talk to you about Vegas. Uh, ben Bishop traded to Dallas. And then signs with Dallas for a long contract, and then says, uh, "I'm looking forward to Kari Lenton and backing me up," which I guess explains the Stars' off-season plans for their other for Antti Niemi. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, th- yeah. The plan is that there there is no plan for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that's the old. Uh, we're going to make a change, and you're it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, now I don't know. I don't know why Dallas felt the need I don't to know sign either. Bishop for so long. Right. I mean, I, I don't know why, but, uh, you know. It didn't seem like they got... That's, that's what they decided to do. I don't think they had to go that long with them. But no. I'm not sitting in the negotiations with them. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, to me, that was a bit of a surprise. And, I agree. You know, and Bishop didn't have a great year. He's had some injury problems. Yep. So, anyways, they decided yeah. to sign that. Put it this way. He's better than what they've had the last couple of years. Yeah, now, true. Um, which is the worst goalies in the league. <laughs> Hey, I wanted to talk to you about Vegas Golden Knights coming up. Uh, expansion, by the way, they keep sending me emails to get tickets to the award show and the expansion draft. I, I get emails seemingly every day. They want me to go buy tickets because I am a half-season ticket owner of the Golden Knights. So, And are you going? I don't know. We'll see. It's a Wednesday night. I could probably make it. Um, the, the Golden Knights coming up. But also, too, by the way, so they say, hey, we're going to bill you. In like you know, I don't know, four or five installments, interest interest free on your credit card, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine. They're on payment three. It's May. They took the first payment like last month, and now they're already on the third payment. And I'm like, oh, way to stretch it out, guys. Thanks. Oh, they were like, you know what I mean? Hurry to get some cabbage well, in, eh? You would think that okay. You're honestly, I was like, okay, you'll start when the season starts, and it'll be throughout the season four or five easy payments. No, see, I th- I would think that they would have, you know, they'd have one once the tickets yeah. are processed. Sure. Right? And then they'd have another one July 1st. Okay. And then another one at the start of the season. Right? Even that. I'm on my third payment already. Come on, guys. Anyway. Nice, nice of you to help out. I know. Um, all right. Hey, so 
your this this expansion team will be will have better players than your Atlanta Thrashers did. Then that uh, won't be hard. The Minnesota Wild did. The NHL definitely threw uh, threw them a bone a little bit as far as the protection process. So that having said that, they're going to be I think a better team than any expansion team. Maybe not the '67 expansion, but uh, those are some horrid teams. But they'll and in recent memory, they'll be a pretty good team. Now, if you're George McPhee, Ray, you're gonna have honestly. I was going through contracts, and and, and so Gabrick's four years, four point eight. We know he's hurt. Kopitar six years, ten million left. Suter Parisi six years, seven five left. Dustin Brown, he's got four years at 5.8. The point being, Ray, is there's a shit ton of really bad contracts that I think general managers are going to be calling George McPhee to try to unload, to try to trade. They want to trade to protect some of the guys they cannot protect in the expansion draft. But, again, you're, you're, you want to build a winner. You want to challenge for the cup eventually at some point. But this is... It would be to your advantage to take some bad contracts for, and they're bad contracts because the players aren't performing. Where do you go with this if you're George McPhee? Like, are you the? Would you, Ray, just be like, "Hey, I don't care about our results. I want to make every deal for five years down the road," or do you say, "I don't, I don't care that Dustin Brown, you're going to give me a, a your second rounder if I take Justin Brown's contract. Dustin Brown has nothing left. Uh, he is not going to help us." In the future, so he's out. Like, what strategy do you take if you're George? Well, uh, first of all, some of those contracts probably have no moves in them. Yeah, and so the the players will have to be protected, whether they want to protect them or not. <laughs> right. The the rules are going to say that they have to be protected. As far as the you know, everybody seems to have this opinion that. You know, you take bad contracts because you got to get to the floor. Mm-hmm. The floor is like fifty-five million. Yep, they'll get to the floor. Like you know, they just they've got one player signed. They're already at four point five million. <laughs> That's what they signed Shepichev for. Yep. Right. They're they're going to they're going to be able to get a, to spend enough dollars to get to the floor. Um, if I'm taking a bad contract on, it's not one with four years on it. I'm taking a bad contract that's got two years on it. Okay. That's plenty. That that will be plenty. And I will collect draft picks. Mm-hmm. In exchange, you know, you want me to take this guy? Good. You'll also trade me uh, a second rounder as well. If that's if that's so, what he determined, yeah. George McPhee yeah. determines the going rate is for taking a contract yeah, whatever that they is. don't particularly right. like. But you do take, so, like, you, you're not scared to take guys that, Aren't great. Well, they've got to have some effectiveness. I mean, here's here's a couple of things. One okay. is um, he's got to have some effectiveness left. You know, he's got to be able to play a little bit. That's number one. <laughs> a little. Number bit. two is he's got to be a good guy because you're going to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't care that they're better than the Thrashers; they're going to lose a lot. Yeah. And so he's got to be a good guy. He's got to be a guy that um, is in shape. That isn't going to view this as I'm going to Vegas to just play out the string. I want somebody, if I'm taking a bad contract, I want somebody that has the internal motor to think I can have a good enough year in Vegas that they can move me to a contender at the deadline. I want guys that are motivated like that. Because I don't want my team to be a laughing stock. Mm-hmm. And I want my older guys to be able to be uh, proper uh, 
guidance, have proper guidance for my younger players that I'm also going to accumulate. Because I think there's a, a view that, okay, they're going to you know, take these bad contracts yeah. and then they're going to take a draft pick to take those bad contracts. I think what we're going to see is there's going to be players that are in the 22- to 26-year-old age range mm-hmm. that they're going to accumulate with those bad contracts. So you're, you want your – because those are players that are already – they're already drafted. They're already in the pro game. They haven't even come close to their full potential yet. And, but they're nearer to what they're going to be than an 18-year-old kid is. I would also be cautious about putting together too good a team. And the reason I say that is that it does them no good to draft 12th. Right. You want, to be, you want to be in the mix drafting higher up the chart because those are players, those are franchise players. Um, everybody wants a number one center. Everybody wants a number one defenseman. Well, where are you getting those? You draft them. because mm-hmm. nobody, if, if I have a number one defenseman and you come to me to make a trade, I'm like, yeah, good one, Steve. Yeah, beat it. I'm not giving you my number one defenseman. And so that, that's, that's why you've, there's got to be a balance between growth mm-hmm. um, for the future, yet you don't want to put a joke of a product on the ice either. Like some of these expansion lists I've, I've read, I'm just like, the average age is going to be 30 years old if they take all these deals. You know what I mean? Oh, there's, but see, there's no chance they're going to take a bunch of 30-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, I don't think I would do that. So you, you wouldn't be scared to lose, right? You're not going to tell people that, but you're, you got an eye on losing for a little while. It doesn't matter whether I have an eye on it or not. I'm <laughs> okay, going to. You're going to, right? You know, like that's that's just yeah. the team will be better. It will be good, and, though. Yeah. And parity parity has shrunk the difference from the worst to the best team mm-hmm. uh, compared to what like in Atlanta in 2000 or 99 2000. You know, there was no salary cap. The best teams were spending close to 100 million dollars. And the worst teams were spending twenty million. Yeah, like there's not a chance. Yeah. Well, that can't happen anymore, and so that gives you a better chance to be competitive a little more quickly. Um, but you're everything's everything's so new. You're not getting the the best players that are available. You're getting or you're not getting the best players from the other teams. You're getting the best player of whatever the rules say is available. And so you're trying to put together the best you can. But it's not going to be – I can't imagine they're a team that's going to score much. That always seems to be uh, a bit of an issue. And, it, um, you know, look at last July 1st or even this, this trading deadline this past March. Teams were looking for offense, and there wasn't any. So there's not all of a sudden right. going to show up on, on an expansion draft. Do you sign an older un, a UFA? Thornton or Marlowe or, or, I mean, because you talked about no, – no, I don't. No, I don't. Just stay away, because I, I don't I don't see what they what they really bring to you. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm a better team, I'm looking at signing those two players. Yep. yep. But as a you know, since we're specifically talking about Vegas, uh, no, not for me. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like like I feel like they're going to have a pretty decent team compared to past expansion teams. Although you're right, they're going to lose. But yeah, they, I mean, they shouldn't just be piling on these these bad contracts. Like no, see, yeah. here's the other thing, like. You can't expect the, the owner to go, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's take $35 million in contracts for the next four years of guys that can't play. 
Yeah. That really sounds like a great idea. <laughs> He's not going to do that. Right. Uh, although we think, and I, if he does, I've got some land for him. I mentioned Gabarik. He's uh, four years left, four point eight. We think he's going to be injury exemption, though. Uh, they've already come out and said that a little bit, haven't they? Rob yeah. Blake's already. Well, he's not going to be ready for the season. He'll be loopled. He could be. Yeah. I mean, Joffrey Lupul could be. Um, could be the the playbook for him. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a pretty significant surgery that he's having and or has had, but. Yep. Um, that contract didn't look right the second that they signed it. You know, it looked it just looked like to me like, oh man, they just mm-hmm. way overreached on this thing. I and uh, unfortunately in LA they left behind um they left behind a few of those and that's part of the mess that Rob Blake's going to have to try and clean up. Mm-hmm. The Wild look like they're going to lose a pretty good defenseman um unless they make a deal. You know, so that was kind of where I was thinking but obviously not Parisian suitor but those guys would be no, no moves, but those contracts are going to be scary, Ray, in not too far distant future. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, the, like they were 10 that, years, that's I why, think. Yeah. I mean, that's why they put the eight-year limit on, yeah. is to try and limit teams from doing stuff like this. <laughs> from shooting themselves um, in the head. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's not the foot. It's, it's right between the eyes <laughs> sometimes. Ten-year deals and, uh, at 7.5 they each got. I, I, don't know, I don't know, you know, how they're, how they're going to be competitive at that time uh, when those contracts become like lead weights, oh, except they do have a really, really good crop of young players. We saw them at the World Juniors. Yeah, yeah. And so the hope would be that by the time they have expiring contracts, like Jason Palmonville mm-hmm. is one name, for example, some of their kids are able to come in and play for low money. And so then you hope that you can kind of bridge that gap where things are a little wobbly looking. And you can be a good team because those kids start to take uh, more of the role that those older expiring contracts used to have. The uh, local media here, uh, keeping an eye on Jason Zucker, Vegas native. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I did. Yeah, yes, Vegas, did. Vegas native, Jason Zucker. Okay. Now, he had a fantastic year. Yep. And then he, filter, or he fizzled down the stretch. So I don't know exactly what, um, you know, what Minnesota's plans are going to be, but they're one of the teams that is, no matter what they try to maneuver around, they look like they're stuck. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, interesting to hear. So, yeah, so your your plan for Vegas is to, you'll take bad deals if they're the right veteran and give, give yourself draft picks. Like, give, give, yeah, load up and, on draft picks. And draft picks are younger prospects, yep. but I'm not taking four years of bad money. Right, right. That right. does not interest me in the least. <laughs> But if you want me to take four years of bad money, wow, what you're giving me is something you really don't want to give up. <laughs> right, exactly. That could happen, man. Some of these teams are going to be might. yeah. Some of these teams are going to be screwed. You know. Um, although I guess it depends on, like you said, when's the CBA open? Three years. It could. Yep. Is it three years? I think when it opens. Yeah. Well, it could be. It can be open before the. Uh, I think the nineteen twenty season. Oh God, I can't go through another one I of that. Know. I don't, no, let's not even talk about it. It right. makes me uh, makes me throw up in my mouth. All right, before we wrap up, let's take some listener uh, tweets. Um, any plans to put out the Ray Ferraro hockey book from Lara? Uh, have looked. Yeah, I've done some work on it. Um, not really sure um, how much. You know, I'm, I'm not going to do it 
and and put it this way, I'm not going to open up my life yep. uh, and write it in a book unless <laughs> there, there's a decent payday to it. Yeah. Because you, if I'm going to write a book, I'm not going to write one to um, to just tell a bunch of stories. Although that would be a lot of it. You know, there's there's more to it, and um, you know, it's you can tell stories about yourself, and then they just kind of go to the wind. You put it on paper; it's there forever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of yeah. I've thought about it for sure. But, you know, I'll say that. The Sean Pronger book was great, although he did call you out in it. <laughs> didn't call me out in it. Well, yeah, he said that you in the L.A. Kings story where the problem with the Kings was Steve Duchesne. And yeah, you, he didn't call me out on it. It happened. No, I know, but you probably were like, hey, why'd you say it was me or whatever? No, they asked before. They, oh, they did? The writer, okay. uh, Dan Murphy, they, uh, they asked if I was okay, and I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, it happened. It's not... Um. What did you? What do you think of Clayton Keller's play at the Worlds uh, from Tony? Well, I only saw him one time, mm-hmm. um, and he was not very good yesterday. But he had lots and lots and lots of company. But I've seen Keller a lot. I like him. Uh, reminds me a little bit, or a lot, actually, of Johnny Goodrell. Um, he's a, you know, small, mm-hmm. um, super super skilled, shifty, slithery player. Um, I, I I like him a lot. I. I just does he. You know, we're going to see how quickly he can adjust to the NHL. Does he make you know, it? Is he is he good enough to play next year? Yeah, for sure. Well, especially in Arizona. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I mean, it's it's not like it's going to be super easy because he's he's going to have to like everybody adjust to a new league, but also because he's small and he's the places that he can get to now are going to be a little more difficult to get to, and it's going to take him a while to figure out how he gets there. Mm-hmm. But I, I have, I don't worry about Keller's potential at all. I, th- I think he's a really good player. Uh, from Todd, are you more mad when you get, call someone chum or pal? <laughs> this goes uh, back to some Twitter. Probably chum. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. McKenzie, and, and, the, and you know, you know, not that you need clarification yeah. because you do know we've talked about this. If you're uh, a chum or a pal means you're not. Right, right. You at one time on this show, Ray, said you were going to lay off the Twitter mentions. I did. I did for like 38 hours. <laughs> okay, all right. But you know what? It's kind of nice over here. Yeah. Different, yeah. It's different. I don't, you know. Yep. You know, I just read for information over here, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not as outraged about Nonsense over here. Put it that way. Uh, how close were you to ever playing for the Canucks? From uh, Ron. Not as close as I would have liked to have been. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you would have. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wanted to go home. I mean, that's going home for me, sure. right? And, yeah. Um, at the time of my career, where I thought it was really possible, the Canucks had Cliff Ronning. Mm, yeah. And you know, and I'm bigger than Cliff Ronning, and so there wasn't going to be <laughs> two of us the same size. Right. And Cliff was very effective there, so there was just. The way the roster was constructed, if they were ever interested in bringing me in, um, it wouldn't have been then. It wouldn't have been because Cliff was there. Yeah. And so, and then you know, I mean, it was probably there was probably always more want on my side than the way it would have possibly worked out mm-hmm. on theirs. Yeah, it's always well. Some guys don't like to go home, you know, and play. But well, oh, I would have loved yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, from uh, from Jay Eaton. NBC going to a three-man uh, team in the booth. Have you ever been in a three-man uh, three booth, and do you like it? 
Jeff in Atlanta? I was. Um, I've done one game with uh, three guys. Um, I was in the booth with Gord Miller, and uh, Pierre Maguire was down between the benches. We did a game in Detroit. Um, it is. It's harder to do because, you know, obviously time gets cut. You don't have. You know, you see something, you want to talk about it, but no, hang on, the other analyst has got something, they're going to work there. The producer is basically like a traffic cop. Um, I don't know that it's very easy to do three men um, on a hockey broadcast because unlike football, where the play stops and you know how much time you've got between plays, yeah. with hockey, of course, you if you get caught talking at the wrong time, now the play-by-play guy can't do his job. Right. Yeah. So it's it's far more difficult for sure. Uh, before we wrap, uh, just going through the Twitter mentions, and I forgot about this because it, we it's been a little bit before between shows. How about the empty net goal by Italy? Outstanding. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen something funnier. I must have watched that. You talked about watching that Carlson pass twenty times. I must yeah. have watched that one twenty times. Like you're when you see it, you're like, what did I just see? And so you have to turn, you know, you have to reloop it. <laughs> And then, so now you know what you've seen and you laugh, so you watch it again. Yeah. You know, I mean, just think, that's the last play that guy made in the World Championships. <laughs> that's an, yeah, another point, right. Because the game was over. Yep, yep. They're getting relegated. Yep. So they don't play in the tournament next year. Mm-hmm. That, that, was, that was a tough one to go out on. <laughs> My wife was like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, you got to see this. This is unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was pretty damn good stuff. Trips, falls, good Puts it in, um, but he could have tripped and fallen, and yeah, ten feet from there, and it wouldn't have gone in the net. No, nope. yeah, the fact he was right there and it was dead center—that's just tough to do. Oh, amazing! Um, Dr- Darren Dreger, Gord Miller stories. How are they adapting to Germany? How's that going? Uh, everything's good. Uh, Dregs is Dregs. You got to watch. You know, you got to watch. He's uh, there's been a you know there's, <laughs> there's been a fair bit of nonsense. Yep. But, yep. It's uh, it's been, it's been fun. We've had a we've had a really good time, and uh, we got a little dinner planned here tonight. So we're going to some place that our producer's been to a couple times, which apparently has got, and uh. they bring out this, uh, um, like this wheel. I don't know why <laughs> of eleven beers. Oh jeez. And so, when the wheel is empty, they don't ask; they just bring back another wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and they bring keep bringing these wheels until you put your coaster over top of your glass. Oh, it's it's like uh, the Buca the not the Buca the um, Fogo de Chao over here. Those meat places where you put the red right. card up and you're like, okay, I'm finally done. I'm done. <laughs> but uh, but I guess there is food in the place because it is dinner. But I, I just keep hearing about these wheels of of uh, what is it, Kolsch? I don't know. Yeah, Kolsch is the German beer, yeah. yes. So, so you, well, I mean, there's more than one, you know. Yeah, of course, right? Uh, you talked about Gord and his thriftiness uh, when he was on the show with us. Um, how, mm-hmm. does that, how does that work when you're overseas and you're him? You really got to – it takes a lot of work to, to watch the dollars. You got to do uh, the calculations. Well, I don't know. You want to – wherever – you know, we eat in the rink half the time, though. Oh, okay. So yeah. when you go out for dinners, of course, all, you're – you know, so you're you get nicked on dinners for sure. Yeah, as you know, like there's, you know, going through Europe is not a, uh, 
you know, Paris is not the cheapest. City no, that's what I mean. He's, he's got to really be freaking out. He's going to be doing the conversion because it's one and a half, right? Oh, don't worry, so. don't worry. That that anything that comes out of his pocket, he's already done the conversion. <laughs> he's, on. he's already figured it out. Um, oh yeah, it, it, he's the one telling me, "Hey, well, you know what the conversion is here, eh? right?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. The, you know what the conversion is on that strudel. So yeah, the, whatever the fourth piece of pastry you're eating. Um. When are you coming home? When are you done? Uh, Monday. Oh, home you... Monday. Oh, I did not know that. It was that soon. Okay, that's good. Yep. Yeah, home Monday, and then uh, uh, we'll be at the finals and um, doing work for TSN and also uh, uh, part of a three-man booth for uh, Westwood One Radio doing the NHL finals. So, oh, that's uh, cool. So doing the games and yeah. then doing the doing the so, TSN, our sports center hits right after. So you do the NBC stuff first, first round. You, you're, yep. you're, your main employer, of course, is TSN. We all we all know and love you from there. And then you can just jump in the radio booth, no problem? Jeez. Uh, I can as long as it doesn't interfere yeah. with my TSN responsibilities. So during the game, I got nothing to do. Yeah. We just watch and take notes and, you know, get our highlight packs ready. And then, um, but now I'll be doing radio and I'll be doing my highlight packs. I'll be writing them on a piece of paper there. So When you do, not, when, when TSN goes to the cup final... And again, I live in the U.S., so I, I I don't see this. Are you allowed to set up in the arena? Because of course you're not there. Uh, right depends. Somewhere? Okay. Depends. Um, you cannot shoot. Nobody can shoot inside the arena until the rights holders window is finished. Oh, jeez. So wow. Um, sometimes you don't want to be in the window, or you don't want to be inside the bowl to mm-hmm. shoot. Yeah. Because you're like, oh my god, I got to wait for them to finish. Yep. And so. You know, sometimes it's better to have a set outside. But it depends on what arena you're in and is there enough room and, you know, yeah. that stuff, I don't know. By the time we get there, they just tell us dummies where to show up. Yeah, yeah, that's all. And we try not to get lost going there. If the Ducks make it, can I, can I hang out? Can I come down and hang yeah, out? Yeah, you can come to Anaheim. But I, can I hang out with you? And, and no. no. No? Okay. No, you can come to Anaheim. Okay, all right. It's a big place. You can yeah. come there. Yeah, all right. So I'm allowed to go to Anaheim, but we, I can't hang sure. out. Sure. Oh, yeah. Come to Anaheim. Damn it. All Maybe right. Maybe we'll get you over. We, you could stand, like, across the street from the set. That would be great for you. I'm going to stand right outside. Because if you're outside the arena, you know, there'll be barricades there, and that's where you guys will be. I'll stand right there with a sign. Hey, That'd Ray. be great. Hey, Ray. That'd be great. <laughs> like the guy from... I'll be like, who's that guy? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that is. All yeah. right. Uh, thanks for doing this, Ray, all the way from Germany. Next time we talk, we'll be next week. You'll be back home in, in Canada. You'll be, uh, you'll be happy. You'll have your fill of uh, breakfast meats, by the way, I'm sure. Uh, because I, am, I am done with breakfast meats. Uh, I am the, done. Hey, Germany, nobody wants all this meat for breakfast. Cold meats, warm meats. It's like just. Oh, no more. <laughs> no uncle. Uncle. Right? I know. God bless Germany. Um, so thanks for doing this. Paul Pocky uh, on iTunes, Paul Pocky on Stitcher. Uh, leave us a review, download it. Uh, as usual, uh, Ray, thank you for your insight and uh, have fun over there. I will for sure. Cool. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next, uh, next week from Canada.